Hey, good morning, everybody, and thank you so much for joining us here today at Bible Baptist Church Online. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and this week we get to celebrate Canada Day. And uh, I am so thankful for the country that we do live in, and uh, there's been some difficulties lately, and it's uh, unfortunate. But man, listen, we still live in the greatest country on earth, and it's op what a wonderful opportunity we have to live here. And you know what? As things change and as things uh, adapt, the church adapts with it, and we're just so excited that we get to keep moving forward, and uh, God has been so good. And uh, if you weren't out uh, last week, we were able to see people uh, saved, uh, come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, baptized, and people join the church. And so we're just so grateful for that, and what a wonderful opportunity that we have to be here this morning. So happy Canada Day to everybody. Colossians chapter 4 with me, if you would. Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. We're actually going to finish Colossians today, and I uh, hope you'll enjoy this last study through the book of Colossians. As you're turning there, Colossians chapter 4, I challenge you to write this down, if you would. Colossians chapter 4, write this down. I am going to serve someone. <clears throat> Let me say that again. I am going to serve someone. The reality is we are all going to serve someone at some point, at some time. We will do this in all kinds of different ways. It's going to happen differently for all kinds of different people. There will be Catholics trying to keep the sacraments. There will be Muslims trying to obey the five pillars of Islam. There will be Hindus trying to repay their debt to the gods. There will be Buddhists trying to liberate sentient beings from suffering. There will be religious Christians trying to please the church or even keep traditions. And if you say, listen, I, I'm not religious at all. I, I don't have any religion whatsoever. Then you would probably fall into this category of whether you're serving yourself with money, sex, drugs, entertainment, whatever it may be. The reality is every one of us is going to serve someone. We may serve ourselves, but that is serving someone. We may serve a church. We may serve a religion. But listen, we all are going to serve someone and all of these things that I just mentioned, and there are many, many more, but all these things that I just mentioned all will leave you unfulfilled. Listen, if you're a Catholic trying to keep the sacraments, you will continue to try to keep the sacraments your entire life feeling unfulfilled. If you're a Muslim trying to obey the five pillars of Islam, you will continue to try to do that for your entire life, and you will be left unfulfilled. You will be trying to do things that your God wants you to do out of fear Hindu, whether uh, you're trying to repay your debt to the gods. Again, you're going to leave unfulfilled because you can never fully pay the debt. Buddhists trying to liberate sentient beings from suffering. Like, how many beings will you liberate? There will always be more. Christians, religious Christians trying to please the church, uh, trying to keep traditions. Again, listen, you will never fully please the church. You will never fully please everybody all the time. You will never always keep all traditions. Again, you'll just leave left unfulfilled. And listen, if you're saying, again, I, I'm not religious, I just serve myself, I do what I want, then how much money is enough money? How much sex is enough sex? How much drugs is enough drugs? How much entertainment is enough entertainment? How much 
will it take to satisfy? Again, the reality is you will always want more. We will always want more. But Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28 through 30, he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, listen, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You see, we are going to serve something. We are going to serve someone. The question is this, do we want to serve a life-giving master, or do we want to serve a task master? Let me say that again, that's very key. Do we want to serve a life-giving master in Jesus Christ who will give us rest, who will breathe life into us, who will uh, constantly be infusing life into us, or do we want to serve a taskmaster? You see, taskmasters are just that. They are task-oriented. Task-oriented. There are do's and there are don'ts. Many times we, even as Christians at Bible Baptist Church, we can even be at this point where we all we can think about is do's and don'ts. So often, we know the do's and don'ts. I grew up in church, I grew up in a Baptist church. And I, I grew up knowing what to say, when to say it, what to do, when to do it, all of these different things. I knew certain back doors to get out of certain things. I knew how to, how to play the game, if you will. So I had knew all the do's and don'ts, but the reality is we all, most of us, know the do's and don'ts, but we don't know Jesus. We don't know Jesus. You see, Jesus did not call us to do's and don'ts. Jesus called us to have a relationship with Him. He says everything, I boil all the commandments down, all the do's and don'ts down to two things. Love your neighbor as yourself, and love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Upon these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Listen, those are the first two. Those are the greatest commandments. Just love God and love others. So Jesus called us not just to have do's and don'ts, but to have a relationship with Him, to know Him. And to be with Him. Again, Jesus is the life giver. He came to give life and to give it more abundantly. Today's sermon, as I said before, will finish our series on the book of Colossians. But I believe Paul finishes finishes this with a bang. And this is why I believe this. Because there is nothing more satisfying to me than a personal story. There's nothing more satisfying to me than a personal story. In music, uh, if you're telling a story through music, uh, in a sermon, if you're telling a story, in fact, if you're just telling a story, I want to know that it's personal. I want to understand it. These personal stories I I identify with. I can put myself in those positions. I love to hear biographies, autobiographies. I enjoy hearing those personal stories. Stories to which I can identify. And here Paul gives us several. So look at Colossians chapter 4. We'll finish the chapter. Look at verse 7. The Bible says this, All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, 
They shall make known unto you all things which are done here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you. And Marcus, sister, son to Barnabas, touching whom you received commandments. If he come unto you, receive him. And Jesus, which is called Justice, who are of the circumcision. These only are my fellow workers under the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you always, laboring fervently for you in prayers, that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you and them that are in Laodicea and them in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea and Nymphus and the church which is in his house. And when this epistle is read among you, cause that to be read also in the church of Laodicea and of the Laodiceans, and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. The salutation by the hand of me, Paul. Remember my bonds. Grace be with you. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity that you've given us. Father, would you please help us as we study your word. Help us to be your servants. Father, help us to understand that your relationship with us is the most important, most amazing, most wonderful thing in all the world. Father, I pray that you would help us to remember that. Thank you so much for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you so much for giving us a freedom uh, to live our lives as, as really we can find in you. Father, help us to understand all that there is to do according to your will. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to preach to you a message this morning that I've entitled simply, The Servants of the Kingdom of God. The Servants of the Kingdom of God. These people that Paul mentions here in verses 7 to 18 are specific, personal examples of people who invested their lives into the Kingdom of God. Specific personal examples of people who invested their lives into the kingdom of God. They were all from different backgrounds. They were all from different places. But they had one thing in common. They had a relationship with Jesus that translated into progressing the kingdom of God forward. Listen to that again. Listen, they all had a relationship with Jesus that translated into progressing the kingdom of God forward. Look again. With me at verse 11. And Jesus, which is called justice, who are of the circumcision. Watch this. He says, these only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. You see, here's the unique thing about Jesus Christ. He does not call us all to be the exact same people. Let me say that again, because that's important. Jesus does not call us all to be the exact same people, to be the, cut from the exact same mold. Listen, all of these men, well, we're going to go through them. They were from different places. They were from uh, different backgrounds, all kinds of different things. But listen, he does not call us to be the exact same. He calls us to invest our uniqueness into the kingdom of God. We all have different gifts. We all have different talents. We all have different abilities. We all have different things that we're good at. And listen, we all, he takes all of them and he places us in the body for a specific purpose to, to continue and help progress the kingdom of God. Again, we're honest this morning. We are in extremely strange times. I'm preaching to you this morning in, in front of a camera. No people here other than the person running the sound booth. And, and so that this is abnormal. The reality is times have changed. Things are different. And may you, maybe you like it, maybe you don't. But here's the reality 
we are in extremely strange times and we need people who will not just come to church, but we say this all the time, but they will just be the church. We need people who will just be the servants of the kingdom of God. Let me ask you this question. Do you have a way, an idea of how you want to reach someone? Can I just encourage you? Just go do it. Listen, you, you don't need to bring them to Bible Baptist Church, the building anymore. The reality is just go do it. We need Holy Spirit-filled, gospel-focused people going to share hope with the world around them. Listen, there was a day when all we did was bring people to church and that was the idea of how we were going to reach the world. But listen, that really is no longer. We need Holy Spirit, gospel-centered people who are just going to go share the hope of Jesus Christ and reach the world around them. Listen, I'll be honest with you. I don't want you sharing Bible Baptist Church. That's not the point. The point is not to share Bible Baptist Church and how wonderful it is. And listen, we believe it's wonderful. We believe it's awesome. We believe it's something God is doing. But listen, we don't want you to share Bible Baptist Church unless Bible Baptist Church is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We, let me put it to you simply. We just want you to share the hope of Jesus Christ. That's it. Just share the hope of Jesus Christ. Christ, serve Him. Serve the kingdom of God, which is in you. So, how are we going to do that? How are we going to serve the kingdom of God? How are we going to share that hope? Well, there are different ways to serve. I want you to look in verse 7 with me. The Bible says, All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brethren, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate, and what? Comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, he's sending Onesimus as well, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. He's, a, he's from Colossae, it seems. They shall make known unto you all things which are done here. Here, Tychicus and Onesimus were simply sent to relay information about what was happening with Paul and the team, and then to report back to Paul what was happening with the church at Colossae. So if you will, number one, we just simply need loving truth relayers. Loving truth relayers. Tychicus was constantly in this role. Uh, Tychicus was constantly in the role of, uh, of ambassador, he was a faithful and beloved brother. You can see this again. All my state shall take a gift declare unto you who is beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant. This is not the only time Paul says this of Tychicus. In fact, we see in another passage in, in Timothy where Paul says about Tychicus, hey, I've sent Tychicus to Ephesus. Tychicus is the one who's constantly being the ambassador for Paul. And Onesimus, if you're... Uh, Bible student, you will remember, was the slave of Philemon. The book of Philemon is basically mostly written about Onesimus. And Onesimus had apparently run away from Philemon. But he ran into Paul, and Paul led him to Jesus Christ. And now Onesimus is working with Paul, and he's going with Tychicus. Telling them everything that God is doing for the team. So Tychicus and Onesimus were number one. They were just faithful. 
Notice again with me, he's a faithful minister. Verse 9, with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brethren. They were faithful. Faithful means consistent. Faithful also means full of faith, we believe. And so they took their job extremely seriously. It would have been by these men that Paul found out about the things that were going on in the churches. So these men go, Ephesus, Colossae, uh, other places. Hey, this is what's happening with Paul and Paul. This is what's going on at the church at Colossae. This is what's going on at the church at Ephesus. This is what's going on at the church at Corinth. And these are the things how Paul would understand what's going on, I believe, in these times. So basically, if you will, they would have relayed much information. They would have relayed good and bad information. But remember, last week or a couple weeks ago, we talked about grace and truth. Right? Grace and truth. And so these guys were always speaking truth with the goal of restoration. So imagine with me. These guys were going around to churches telling Paul the good and the bad and telling the churches the good and the bad news about Paul and his team. They would have been loving, but can you imagine if these two guys were extremely cynical? Think about this just for a second. Can you imagine if these two guys were extremely cynical? Well, you know that church at Colossae, Paul? They're terrible, no good, rotten sinners. In fact, you need to write them a scathing letter, and all they do is bad, and nothing good is coming out of them. All they can see is the bad. And then they would get to Colossae and say, hey, you know that, Paul? He's not all he's cracked up to be. I mean, the other day I saw him sin. I saw him do something wrong. Uh, he's not everything that you say. Listen, can you imagine if these two men were cynical? The fact of the matter is, it's not likely that they were. These guys were loving, true three-layers. Good and bad. But listen, hey, Paul, Colossi, they're going through some difficult times. They're struggling with some things. But listen, here's how I believe they can do this better. Again, truth with the goal of restoration. Hey, guys, just so you know, Paul is in need. He's going through some very difficult times. In fact, Satan's really buffeting him. He's got that thorn in the flesh, remember? And so maybe we could give to him and maybe we could just send some encouragement unto him. Again, truth with the goal of restoration. So the kingdom of God, listen, needs loving truth relayers. People who will speak the truth in love and grace. People who will tell other people about their state and their need. Hey, listen, you're a sinner. The fact of the matter is, you deserve to die and go to hell. But Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We need people who will tell people about their need and their state, but who will also tell them the good news of restoration as well. The kingdom of God needs loving truth relayers. These people are faithful to the truth. These people are loving to people. They love to be around people. They want, they want to talk to people. They want to spend time with people. They're social. These people are not ashamed to encourage people with the gospel of the kingdom of God. In fact, Paul says later, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Listen, we need people who are loving, love people. But truth comes out of them. They relay truth lovingly and graciously. So very simply today, maybe you are really good at gossiping. 
Maybe you are extremely cynical. Maybe, by the grace of God, you can turn that around. Maybe you can invest your life into the kingdom of God by relaying the truth in love. Listen, the reality is every one of us struggles. If you want to, you can spend time looking at me. I will show you the bad things of my life. I struggle with things. So if you want to find something wrong with me, by all means you can. But if you're a loving truth relayer, you'll take those things and try to encourage me through them. Which brings us to our second point. Look at verse 10. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you. And Marcus, sister son to Barnabas, touching whom you received commandments. If he come unto you, receive him in Jesus, which was a common name back then which is called Justice, so uh, maybe his surname or uh, another way of describing him, who are of the circumcision. Watch, these only are my fellow workers under the kingdom of God. Watch, which have been a comfort unto me. Which have been a comfort unto me. So number two, if you will, we just need profitable encouragement. Profitable encouragement. Not someone who shouts from the sidelines but someone who is with them. Aristarchus, we find in Acts, was a Thessalonian. A Thessalonian is from the, uh, the, the city of Thessalonica, who had already experienced persecution. He, he was with Paul and had already experienced being persecuted. Marcus, again, we're not sure of this, but he is said to be John Mark. The one who Paul and, and, and Barnabas had such a hard contention. As the, the contention was so sharp that Paul and Barnabas split ways. Here we see that Marcus is a sister's son to Barnabas. So Barnabas' nephew. So not much is known here of justice. There's maybe a few instances of who it could be. But very simply, he just seems to be someone who opened up his, Paul, his home to Paul and the team in which many people were saved. Again, these men, again, if I can just give this to you, they were just fellow prisoners, fellow workers. And Paul says, these men were a comfort. Let me put it to you this way. These men were with Paul. These men were with Paul. They were a comfort. They were an encouragement to Paul. Paul says about John Mark later that he is profitable for the ministry. Again, if he was anything like his uncle Barnabas, which we believe he was, because Barnabas spent some time with him. If he was anything like his uncle Barnabas, he was a consoler. In fact, Barnabas is known as the son of consolation. A consoler, a comfort, someone who comforts and someone who encourages. Listen, these men were just a encouragement to Paul. A profitable encouragement. These men were with Paul in the trenches. We see Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner. He's with Paul in the trenches. With him being imprisoned. With him being persecuted. Listen, just profitable encouragement. Which may beg the question, is there unprofitable encouragement? Well, the fact of the matter is yes, I believe so. Let me give you a for instance. Cheerleaders. <laughs> Cheerleaders. Cheerleaders to me are nothing more than a pretty distraction. 
I don't know how many football players have gotten just lambasted because instead of watching the game or playing in the game, they were watching the cheerleaders. Cheerleaders don't have any skin in the game. They don't have any investment in the game. They're not playing the game. They're just on the sideline. Oh, sure, they're cheering you on and they're excited for you, but they're just on the sidelines. They want you to do well, but they're nothing more than spectators. I'll give you a personal example. In college, we would have one night out of the year, pretty much, that we would spend in the gym, the whole, the whole college, and we would just have a good time and play games, and uh, there was this one basketball game that I remember playing that where it would be like three minutes on the court, and then the girls would come on the court, guys would get off, and then three minutes on the court, and then the girls would get off, and the guys would get on. Well, I was dating my wife at the time, and we both loved basketball, and we enjoyed playing, and I have this innate ability to, uh, I don't know if it's an ability or if it's a curse, but just coach people from the sideline. My wife despises it. She can't stand it. And so I would be coaching her from the sidelines. Go left, go left, go right, go right, go left. Uh, shoot it, shoot it. And I would just constantly be uh, screaming, telling her what to do. And she came to me one time and she said, will you please stop? It's so distracting. Just let me play the game. Listen, there are so many things, people in this life, listen, the kingdom of God does not need any more spectators. We need profitable encouragement. We need profitable encouragement. Listen, in a game, think about this. If you're in, I played football as well, very little league, I never played anything else. But in football, man, you'd get in that huddle and man, maybe you're a lineman and you're just discouraged. Or maybe you're a tight end or a wide receiver and you just dropped the pass. And you know what? You, the cheerleaders are cheering. Ah, rah, rah, ree. You know, listen, wonderful. That's great. But that's not the focus. Listen, when your quarterback slaps you on the back and say, hey, man, it's okay. We'll get him next time. That's far more profitable encouragement because he's in the trenches with you. He's working with you. Listen, far more profitable. We need people who come in the trenches and sit with you through thick and through thin. People who will tell you when you're wrong, but still love you enough to help you change it. People that will tell you, hey, you need to change that. You need to uh, fix what you're doing there. But listen, let me help you along that way. Let me encourage you through that. People that will lift you up when you're down. Listen, it's okay. I want to be a profitable encouragement to you. So maybe this morning you're really good at kicking people when they're down. Maybe you are really good at criticizing. Maybe you are, if I can use the sports term, an excellent armchair quarterback. You from the sidelines are yelling at the TV, yelling at the quarterback, telling him how terrible he is. Listen, maybe by the grace of God you can change that and invest your life in the game, in the infinite game of the kingdom of God and be an active, profitable encouragement. Again, if you'll notice in verse 11, at the end, Paul says this, which have been a comfort unto me comfort unto me. Listen, the kingdom of God needs people, not who are spectators, but are in the game giving profitable encouragement. Verse 12. Epaphras, 
who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you always, laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you, and them that are in Laodicea, and them in Hierapolis. Number three, we need fervent prayer warriors. Fervent prayer warriors. We've already taken some time to talk about Epaphras in previous messages, so I won't take a ton of time here today. But just suffice it to say, Epaphras was a fervent prayer warrior. The kingdom of God needs, let me say this again, the kingdom of God needs prayer warriors. Prayer warriors. People who will pray fervently for others. Listen, not necessarily, again, for their health and for their well-being, but that they will be perfect and complete in all the will of God. We need people who will pray. We need people who will get on their knees and say, God, help this person to be perfect and complete in your will. Father, if there's something between their soul and you, would you please help them to remove that? Father, would you convict them where they're wrong? Listen, we need people who will fervently pray, who will labor in prayer that the gospel will go forth. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 3, with all praying for us, that, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of the of Christ. We need people who will fervently pray that we would stand perfect and complete. We need people who will invest their lives into the kingdom of God by praying fervently. I don't know if you've noticed yet, but in the first three things, they're all different. All different. They have all different roles, all different actions. We're not done. Look at verse 14. Luke, the beloved physician. Listen, we believe Luke wrote the book of Acts. We believe Luke wrote the book of Luke. So listen, we, we believe Luke was great, but all Paul says is Luke, the beloved physician. The, Luke, a doctor, just using his talents and abilities for the Lord. In any way possible, I have no idea. We could do a, a, an immense study on, on Luke, but just Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. We find out about Demas later that Demas has forsaken me and went to Thessalonica. But listen, look at verse 15. Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea. Watch this. And Nymphus and the church which is in his house. Now, I tried to do some study on Nymphus. This, to, to what I could find, was the only place in the Bible his name is mentioned here in Colossians. Colossians. We understand, it seems, that the church that was in his house was in Laodicea, based on previous. And Colossians and Laodicea are, were, were, were very, fairly close to each other. But this one man, Nymphus, had a church in his house. So, if you will, number four is hospitable church cultivators. I know it's weird, but hey, hospitable church cultivators. Listen, Nymphus had a church... In his house. Let me say that again. Nymphus had a church in his house. He was not afraid to use his home as a meeting place for people to gather together. Listen, we need people who are willing to hospitably cultivate the church. Sometimes that looks like having people into your home 
for a Bible study. Sometimes that looks like a one-on-one spiritual conversation. And listen, there are all kinds of different ways that you can do this and all kinds of different things that you can be a hospitable church cultivator. But listen to me, it is the church's job to cultivate the church. It is the church's job to cultivate the church, to work the soil and spread the seed. That's our job. Listen, it is God's job to give the increase. There are some that water. There are some that plant. But God gives the increase. It's the church's job to cultivate it. Listen, again, the church is not just meeting here today. We're not just meeting on 320 Highbury Avenue today. This is about the body of Christ every single day investing into the kingdom of God. Listen, so we ought to be the church. We ought to be investing in other people. Most people think, well, that's the pastor's job. That's the staff's job. That's to, to all the pastoral staff. It's their job to cultivate the church. No, it's the church's job. It's your job. It's your job to cultivate the church. It's your job to have people over, not just to have people over and spend the time together, but to have people over and cultivate spirituality, cultivate progressing the kingdom of God. Listen, you have that responsibility as much, if not more, than I do. Because we're all members of of the church. We all have a relationship with God. We all have been freed from Jesus Christ or from sin by Jesus Christ. And so we have that opportunity. Hey, I want to show you what I found. Let's try to finish this up. Verse, jump down to verse 17. And say to Archippus, watch this now, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord. Watch that thou fulfill it. So number five, there are just those that are still on the fence. There are just those that are still on the fence. To me, is Paul saying, listen, Archippus, you're on the fence, man. You have a talent that's been given to you by the Lord. You have a ministry which thou hast received in the Lord. Take heed. See that you use it for him. Listen, I have no doubt, no doubt that every one of these five things are present in Bible Baptist Church. That every one, there are loving truth relayers. There are profitable encouragers. There are people that fervently, fervently pray. There are hospitable church cultivators, but listen... There's no doubt in my mind that there are people on the fence. Here's what I love about this passage. Is Paul does not give us a specific. Doesn't tell us what Archippus is called to. What what Archippus, the ministry that he has received. But he does say you have a ministry. You have a talent, you have an ability, you have something that God has called you to. Listen to me, talking to you today. You have a ministry, a service that God has called you to. He has gifted you with it. Take heed that you fulfill it. Listen, just 
do it. Just do it. You will never be more fulfilled in your entire life if you will just do what God has called you to do. And listen, that may not be standing up in front of, uh, of people to preach. That may not be sitting in a song booth running technology. That may be just a prayer warrior. That may be just having a conversation one-on-one. That may be just coming alongside someone and saying, listen, I just want to encourage you. I don't know, you may not be outspoken. I don't know what it is, but God has something for you. So if you're sitting on the fence today, you just don't know if it's worth it. You just don't know if it's worth investing your life into the kingdom of God. Listen, please, don't take my word for it. I would tell you today, that absolutely it is worth it. You will never feel more fulfilled in your entire life if you give your talents and your abilities to God and you use it to further the kingdom of God. But don't take my word for it. Take the word of these people. Tychicus, Onesimus, Aristarchus, Epaphras, Luke, Demas, Nymphus, Archippus. And listen, this is just in the book of Colossians. We can spend a lot more time in a lot of other books of people, personal testimonies of people who gave their lives willingly, sacrificed their lives, living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God because it's our reasonable service. We never feel more fulfilled. Listen, I don't have to work for my salvation. I'm not trying to serve somebody necessarily out of duty. It's just reasonable service. I, Jesus Christ did so much for me. I just want to give my life back to Him. Is that required? Absolutely not required. It's just reasonable. That's what will fulfill you. Living for Christ, living in Christ, living in a relationship with Christ. Listen, I'm married and I love it. I love being married to my wife. She's awesome. But guess what? I am more fu- most fulfilled in my marriage. Not when she is serving me, but listen, when I am serving her. Oh, not out of duty. Not out of duty. Not because I have to. Listen, that's the worst way to serve somebody. But because I love her. And I want to serve her. I'm not perfect at that by any stretch of the imagination. Just ask her. She'll tell you. But I want to. I want to serve her. Why? Because I love her. Same with Jesus Christ. Listen, Paul says this in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forth unto those things which are before. He says this, I press toward the mark. Listen, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Listen, Paul says, listen, I don't want to see anything else. I just want to press toward the mark. I want to press for the prize. Jesus Christ is my prize. And he has called me to something. And I press. I press toward it. I push hard. I work hard. I run hard. The high calling of Jesus Christ. These people... These people invested their lives into the kingdom of God. And you can too. Let me ask you this question. What has God gifted you with? What has God given you? 
What can you give back to him in service? If you struggled to tell people the truth, then maybe you can be a prayer warrior. Maybe you could be a profitable encouragement. All of us have something that we can give. All of us have something that we can invest in the kingdom of God. So let me ask you, just very simply, today, what are you going to invest? It starts today by giving it back to Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for the opportunity that you've given us. Father, if there's one that's listening to this that does not know you as personal Savior, then I pray that today would be the day that they find out how wonderful, how awesome, how freeing you are. Father, no longer do we have to have this burden of sin on our back. Father, you've cut the ties. You have made us free and free indeed. Thank you. Father, for that person who does not know that today, I pray that they would know that. And Father, because we are free, I'm standing here today desperately wanting to serve you. Not because I have to, not because I have to fulfill some obligation. But Father, because I deeply want to. And Father, I pray that these people that listen would deeply want to serve you. Father, that you would fulfill them. You would give them joy, unspeakable and full of glory, peace that passes all understanding. Father, would you please help us to give all to you. We pray all these things in your name. I'm going to ask you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I believe, as always, it's time to make a decision. Today I want, to be, want you to be very specific with God. In fact, as always, I challenge you to write this down, so maybe you would write this down. I am going to give blank to God. You, you fill in the blank. I am going to give my time in prayer to God. I am going to give this resource to God. I am going to give, you just fill in the blank, I am going to give this to God. Or you could write it this way, I am going to invest blank into the kingdom of God. Again, you would fill in the blank. The reality is all of us have something to invest. Start investing today. Let's give you a moment to take some time, make that decision before God this morning.